Hi, I'm Jane Jackson. And I'm Colin Denny. And you're listening to A Better Workplace from Wistia. Over the course of this show, we've come back to this analogy over and over again of diversity, equity, and inclusion work being like climbing a ladder. Everyone is at a different level of understanding and needs to put in the work to continue to climb higher in understanding and in allyship. Today's topic is one where Colin and I both feel like we're a little bit lower on the ladder and we still have a lot of active learning to do in order to be better allies. And that is the issues and challenges facing those in the trans and gender nonconforming communities. A record number of bills to limit transgender rights have been introduced this year in state legislatures across the country. It's a new show me your papers bill for Arizona. The sex on your birth certificate would have to match the sex of the bathroom or locker room that you use. Arkansas and Tennessee are the latest states well, to sign anti-transgender topic on a Toronto University campus this month. John Yang reports on Trans and non-binary communities are facing challenges from a bunch of different fronts, and those challenges are particularly urgent. There are proposed state bills limiting their freedoms, challenges at work surrounding microaggressions and misgendering, and not to mention health and well-being challenges, whether it's the lack of health care, depression and anxiety, or having their actual lives and safety endangered at alarmingly high rates. It's important to remember that beyond all of these topics that have become hot button issues or headlines that you see in the news or key division points in the so-called culture wars, people are just trying to live their lives. These are folks who are really in need of allies and advocates in and out of the workplace. And look, we get it. On the show, when we're talking about these issues, most of us know someone who belongs to one of these groups, whether that's uh, a black coworker or a gay family member or someone with a disability. But when we're talking about the trans community, that's not always the case. It can feel a lot murkier. Many of us don't know someone who identifies as trans, or maybe we do and we just don't know it. And that can create roadblocks that get in the way of understanding and empathizing with these groups and makes it a little bit harder to connect with their stories. We wanted to learn more and get a better perspective on this topic. So we spoke with Stephanie Badalino, a transgender woman and a DEI consultant. Stephanie transitioned while working as an executive at a large corporation. The experience changed the course of her life, and today she is a national voice in the workplace equality movement for transgender and gender nonconforming individuals. Stephanie sits on the boards of the Transgender Legal Defense and Education Fund, PFLAG National, and the Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender Community Center of New York. We talked to Stephanie about the work she's doing to help folks in the corporate world embrace those in trans and gender nonconforming communities to make more safe and inclusive work environments. In today's episode, as we hear Stephanie's story, first we'll address the issue of pronoun usage and why it's so important. Then we'll talk about what it means to be an ally in this space. And after our conversation, Jane and I will discuss some ways you can create more inclusive workspaces for those in trans and gender nonconforming communities. Pronouns are, are a funny thing. They're among the smallest of words in the English language, but when they are used incorrectly, they can cut like a knife and the cut is deep. 
This is Stephanie reading from her book, Reflections from Both Sides of the Glass Ceiling, Finding My True Self in Corporate America. In this passage, Stephanie shares what it felt like whenever she was misgendered or the incorrect pronoun was used. That's how it felt to me every single time, whether it was in the office or in some other public setting. When someone would use the wrong pronoun when they were referring to me, it immediately knocked the wind out of my sails, momentarily taking my breath away. When I first came out, I will admit to being somewhat sheepish about correcting people. It had much to do with how I was raised, to not make a scene and avoid conflict. As I think back to those times, I get angry with myself for not defending myself more vociferously. I had this disturbing tendency to give people the benefit of the doubt, even at times when they didn't deserve it. And that's on me, not them. Over time, I learned how to correct people in a way that got my point across and ruffled as few feathers as possible. At first, I developed that defense mechanism as a way to deal with whatever misgendering took place at work. I had enough presence of mind to realize that I still had to work with these people. Flipping out at someone who perhaps made an honest slip up wouldn't have served me well. It evolved into a practice that I was able to use effectively outside of the office too. But there were more instances of botched pronoun usage at work where many people had known me as my former self than on the outside where most of the time when people saw me for the first time, like a server in a restaurant, they saw me as a woman. There was one woman on my team that repeatedly kept using the wrong pronouns, but then in the same breath corrected herself, only to do it again on the very next sentence. She was getting very flustered with her inability to get it right. She was trying so hard. I just stopped her and said, take a deep breath and calm yourself. I'm not angry or upset. I know you're struggling and it's okay. Just take a second to think before you start to talk. And from that moment on, with the exception of one or two slip ups in the days immediately following, she was fine. I think my recognition of her having difficulty and that it was okay made all the difference. Let's jump into our conversation with Stephanie. We're talking about the importance of pronouns when it comes to issues of inclusivity at work. I think a lot of that has to do, Colin, with language and communication. It's the lifeblood of organizations, big and small. More importantly, it's having respectful conversations that, you know, for people that may not know how to do that with a trans or a non-binary person in their workplace. And that has a lot to do with pronouns. You know, there's so much that I talk about these days about pronouns and about what words to use and what words not to use. Having your preferred pronouns on your email, you know, on your, your, your signature, on your email signature, having that be a part of your introduction when you're in a meeting with people that you don't know. Hi, I'm Stephanie Badalino. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And you go around the room because that's a very real example of what it looks like every single day. Now, I've, 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 read in, I've read recently, well, you know, where some people are like, well, I don't want to give you my pronoun or whatever. And, you know, you're always going to have those naysayers. I get it. But, you know, but if you want to have an inclusive workplace and you want to have respectful conversations, pronouns are a good place to start. Because I can tell you, I've been on the other side of that. You know, when I first came out, you know, I was misgendered all over the place. And it's not because people were like, you know, were transphobic that I worked with. I worked with a 
I was blessed, you know. I, I worked with a really good group of folks that I got along with before I transitioned. So, but they were making mistakes because Stephanie was new to them. They were used to Michael, who's my former name, for five years. And now I show up like Stephanie. And so it's like, well, wait a minute. So there was misgendering going on. There was dead naming going on, which if you're not familiar with that term, that means people using my former name to address me after I've transitioned. Not a good thing. So these are the types of things that I that I train on with companies that I, I talk about the communication and the language because they really need to know. But pronouns is it's really, it's really the biggest thing. I always like to say it's among the smallest words in our English language. But if they are used incorrectly, they, they can cut like a knife. You know, I mean, I've been out for 15 years and yeah, I get misgendered every now and then. You know, I'm not out there, you know, in public trying to fool anybody. I am who I am. And every so often, I'll get, it's rare, but I'll get misgendered, and it, and it still hurts. You know, you'd be like, oh, Steph, you know, you're this trainer and speaker, and you work with all these companies, and you're doing this and doing that, and on this board and that board, so it shouldn't bother you. Oh, no, it does. It does. And for someone who is just at the very beginning of their journey, and they're working in your workplace, and, and they're getting misgendered, it could really injure them. Part of the conversation, Colin, is, is exactly this, explaining to people that don't know what the impact of the wrong word choice is, you know? And, um, and let me just say this, the, the whole lexicon of terminology and, and as well as pronoun usage and whatnot can all be very, very confusing to the individual who's never had to deal with this ever before in their entire life. And what I always say is, look, I get it. I get it. Total information overload, you know, for some. So what do you do? Well, your default position, I think, should always be let your actions ride on the rails of your own personal sense of integrity and respect. And nine times out of 10, if you do that, and if you're thoughtful enough to do that, then you're, you're going to do the right thing. You're not going to do the wrong thing. And I think that's very important for people to understand as they try to, for those that, again, where this is all new to them, where they can kind of process that and make it a part of their daily, um, their daily interactions with their, with their colleagues. I think that's helpful because I do think there is an element of when folks don't have experience Fear about how to proceed. How do I ask the question? How do I introduce myself? What if I make a mistake? And I think that you talked about it earlier, the need for folks to think about educating themselves. And I think this also is helpful and lead with your integrity and that'll get you to the right place. I think that's helpful for folks who are who are, as Colin likes to talk about, some of these issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion as folks moving along a ladder. They, they climb up slowly. They learn new things. But that first, that first spoke can be a little bit scary for people to get started. So tying together some of, some of what you've said, I think that's really helpful to keep in mind. Hmm, thank you. Yeah, I, I th first step's always the hardest. And the, the other thing I always like to say is, so, you know, we've talked a lot about language and pronouns and things like that. But the, the other thing, too, I think is so, so important is it's, it's having a recognition, being very intentional about your company's culture, whether you have 
five people, 50 people, 500 people, 5,000 people. You formed the company with a belief that you can make the world a better place in your industry segment, in whatever it is that your company does, you know, speaking generically. Don't ever lose what that looks like, what the culture looks like in your head to make that happen. Because that needs to be the, the one thing that, will all, that you always go back to in checking yourself to make sure that you are building an inclusive workplace. Is, are all these things that we're doing, whether it's pronouns on our email signatures, whether it's having these courageous conversations, you know, creating employee resource groups where you know, employees of like mind across all different dimensions can get together and talk about things and talk about how it works in the workplace and whatever. All of those things should all be rooted in what you want your culture to look like. Because that culture is going to spell success for you down the road because you're going to have employees that feel empowered, feel fulfilled, feel that they can bring their entire selves to work every single day and can contribute to the enterprise and work effectively within a team of other diverse employees. And I, I think that as long as you keep your eye on the prize, so to speak, from a cultural perspective, it will certainly go a long way to dictating inclusivity actions that you take. So there I sat in the fall of 2003, at one end of the dinner table from wife number three, my son was off playing or watching television in another room in the house. I can recall a rather uneasy silence hanging in the air. She suddenly said, I know this isn't going away. It was immediately clear to me that she had been doing some research on the internet. I responded, you're right, it's not. And I added, if I do this, I'm going all the way. I knew that transitioning was my ultimate destination. Reflecting back on it, I have to say that it was the most authentic moment I had experienced in my life up to that point. I had recently started seeing my therapist, so I was slowly beginning to not be so ashamed of who I was. Or to put it another way, I was finally starting to own who I was. It was as if at that moment, I was standing on the edge of a great abyss and as I looked down, all I could see was blackness. There was just nothingness. Try as I might, I could not see the bottom. I knew that if I stepped off the edge, I risked losing everything. The life I had created for myself would come crashing down. On some level, I actually thought I had it all. The white picket fence, the house in the burbs, an established social circle of friends and neighbors, who was I kidding? I was in complete denial. But step off I did. And you know what happened? Instead of tumbling down into the darkness all alone, a road rose up out of the gloom to meet my step. 
Hearing Stephanie talk about pronouns at work helps us build a better foundation of knowledge and understanding. But there's another step to this work, becoming an ally to those in equity-seeking groups. We use the word ally a lot when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, but it can be tough to know what it actually looks like to be an ally. For me, there's two parts to being an ally. There's amplification and there's advocacy. Amplification is all about elevating others' voices and their stories and their perspectives. And that can be as simple as sharing that you really love the idea that a woman on your team came up with, knowing that her voice is statistically less likely to be heard or that her ideas may be attributed to her male peers. It can also be sharing content from underrepresented voices that you enjoy, whether that's via Facebook posts or Instagram stories, all forms of social media, you're sharing that out within your own network. But then there's advocacy, and that is a bigger lift. Uh, this is the work that you do that may never be seen or recognized. You know, there's, there's no transactional thing that's happening where you put it out into the world and people see that you have and you're recognized for it. To be an advocate, you need to more deeply understand the needs and challenges of a group, and you're using your power, privilege, and influence regardless of risk to your own standing to put those needs first. And so some examples of that are pulling a colleague aside to correct a microaggression or talking to a coworker after a meeting if you notice they misgendered someone. It could be backing legislation that protects or benefits members of an equity-seeking group. There, there are levels to it. It's the difference between putting up a rainbow filter on your social media or some kind of rainbow-centric company logo which are generally easy things to do, and correcting a coworker who has misgendered someone or taking part in either marching or planning a pride parade event, you know, some kind of action that is a physical or tangible representation of advocacy and allyship. In this next part of our conversation with Stephanie, we ask her about some ways to be a better ally to trans and gender non-conforming folks. Do you have any advice for people who are thinking about this for the first time that are afraid to make mistakes? Because, you know, you've previously mentioned that sometimes when, you know, when you're, when you're misgendered, it can hurt. And then you're delving into a whole nother topic of intent and impact and everything. But in your experiences, are, is there any kind of, um, thoughts you have about people who are, you know, a little based in fear over these things? My first thought is, Colin, it's a great question. You know, don't let your fear paralyze you. Don't let your fear get in the way of taking the first step. You're not doing this in a vacuum, especially if you're doing it in an organization, Colin, where you know people have your back if you make a misstep. You know, that people will, will, will correct you, but in a, in a nice way and, 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 and help you learn from it and then move forward. I mean, we're not perfect. God knows. Jeez, hardly. And I think that there's a, a big lesson there that missteps are going to happen. It's how we manage the missteps and learn from them that I think is really the key to making the world a better place, quite honestly. 
what do I call a transgender person? It's so confusing. Well, actually, it's pretty simple. Call them whatever they want to be called. You can do it. We do it all the time. Over the past 20 years, we've agreed to call this man Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, <laughs> Just Diddy, and now Puff Daddy again, and most people don't even like him. I have a cousin, and growing up, I knew him as Tommy. As we all became adults, he asked us to call him by his first name, Adrian. It took a little while, and we all made mistakes as we rewired our brains. But with a little bit of effort, it eventually became muscle memory. None of us let the fear of getting it wrong stop us from trying. We make the same effort at work all of the time. If a coworker is named Lynette, but prefers to be called Lynn, we just call her Lynn. It's a similar ask with pronouns. And yes, you may get it wrong at times, but it's okay to make mistakes. You need to try, though. The reality is, is just not that hard to create better, more inclusive workplaces for trans and gender nonconforming folks. So let's talk about a few things that you can start to do right now. First, you can talk about pronouns. You can lead by example by offering yours when introducing yourselves in group meetings. For example, hey, my name's Colin Denny and my pronouns are he, him, his. Doing this can destigmatize and make it less risky for individuals sharing their preferences if you've helped normalize this in your workplace culture. You should respect and support name changes and don't allow deadnaming in your workplace. Your business can also make broader and deeper changes. Consider all gender or individual use restrooms to create safer spaces. Make sure your code of conduct is inclusive of the needs of trans and gender nonconforming folks and talk about and advocate for issues impacting these communities with urgency. They're literally fighting for their rights and their lives right now. Any of these changes is a step in the right direction. Stephanie mentioned that so much of this work has to do with language. And frankly, that's one of the easiest changes you can make and it takes very little investment other than effort. Back in April, Oprah interviewed Elliot Page about him recently coming out as trans. First television interview as a trans man, Elliot Page. All the trauma aside that it took you to get here, what part of your transition has actually brought you the most joy? Getting out of the shower and the towels around your waist and you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're just like, there I am. Right away, companies working with him took action. Within hours, Netflix celebrated and shared their support of his news. They changed all of his credits on the platform, began work to update all the title cards of his movies, and had started working on the metadata in their system. Elliot stars in Netflix's The Umbrella Academy, and show writers are incorporating the news into how they are approaching shooting season three, with Elliot Page continuing to star as Vanya Hargreaves. This is a big company in a billion dollar industry with, I'm sure, tons of people and internal red tape. But in making these relatively small changes so quickly, they created a better overall and more inclusive environment for Elliot, and they're sending a huge message of support and encouragement to these communities. I think the thing to keep in mind is making this change is not about you, 
or what you think or feel about something. It's about people and recognizing them for who they are and what's important to them. We share this earth with 7 billion other people. And so I feel like the least we can do is treat one another respectfully. And if that's stopping the use of a nickname or ceasing the use of a dead name or misgendering, it really just boils down to offering respect and dignity. And I don't think that's so hard. Neither do I. This has been a production of Wistia Studios. The hosts are Jane Jackson and myself, Colin Dinney. This episode was written by Ron Dawson. Producers were Ron Dawson and Adam Day, and editing also by Adam Day. We want to give a huge thanks to Stephanie Badalino. You can purchase her new book, Reflections from Both Sides of the Glass Ceiling, from Amazon or wherever books are sold. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to her work. If you like what we're doing on the show, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a rating and a review. Another great way to support the show is by signing up for our email list at our website, wistia.com, or sharing the show on social media. Until next time, thanks so much for tuning in.